Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast, Super Bowl week edition with Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Good to be joined with you again. We're going to be talking about um, plenty of things here, Vikings related, non-Vikings related. Uh, we'll get to Super Bowl, the matchup between the Bucks and the Chiefs on Sunday, but we're going to talk about the NFC North quarterback situation first. We'll get into some Vikings coaching staff stuff with some moves and some openings still left. Um, and then we'll also get into your Twitter questions and your email questions. So thanks again for sending those. Let's start off actually with a new addition to the uh, Star Tribune podcast family, I guess. It's kind of growing a little bit, the daily delivery podcast. And so, Mike, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah, every day, 30 minutes, Monday through Friday, just kind of, uh, you know, the daily talkers, a uh, good interview, a lot of times with members of our staff. Um, if you like this podcast, um, you'll like Friday's Daily Delivery. I've got Brad Childress on, talking uh, talking a little bit of old Vikings, talking a little bit of Andy Reid, things like that. Um, and super Vikings fan Drew McGarry on that show as well. So, you know, but every Monday through Friday, kind of a variety of subjects. And uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. I hope you guys are listening, subscribing, and uh, yeah, that's it. It's, uh, it's been fun. We'll do Viking stuff too. Ben and Andrew will be on from time to time as well. Not just uh, not just here, but uh, yeah, you'll still hear me in this space too because you can't get rid of me that easily. Just out of curiosity, what is the audio equivalent to redacted? Uh, I've already edited Drew heavily. Okay. That's, yeah, I already that's I already I went asked. through that. I already went through that that, that interview and removed four or five things that were not, he was honestly, he was on his best behavior, but his standard of best <laughs> behavior might be slightly different than our standard. You know, our standard is pretty high. So we, we tend to be fairly um, traditional. Yes. In our approach <clears throat> to the English language. Yes, that is true. You're a fan of Minnesota sports. Uh, yeah, make sure you check that out. Cause that'll cover much more than what we do here with the Vikings. Um, plenty to talk about in the landscape of the division, right? We see Matthew Stafford, the first domino to fall in this uh, insane quarterback market this offseason. Is Matthew Stafford getting shipped out of Detroit to Los Angeles for Jared Goff? Um, I can't imagine, Ben, we know what Mike Zimmer thinks of Jared Goff. I can't imagine he was too upset to see that trade go down. (laughs) Um, But we should talk about, first and foremost, Matthew Stafford being on the move. And uh, I guess what we think about that, Mike, what was your first reaction to that trade? It's a complicated trade, right? Because the, I mean, the Rams send out two first round picks as part of it. No, the, I'm sorry. The, the, yeah, that's how it goes. But Rams send out two first round picks. They get back Stafford. They send out Goff. Um, you know, so you kind of figure like, is one of those first round picks kind of a, kind of the, the Goff penalty kind of the, he's got a bad contract. He, he's not maybe lived up to, you know, number one pick um, expectations, things like that. And is the other one, the value then back for Stafford. So if you think about it that way, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, I don't think Matthew Stafford is the guy. I thought that was, I thought it was, I don't, I, I feel like if you're going to load up and go all in, I get that he's an upgrade over Goff. I don't think he's, you know, he's, he's not a first tier quarterback. So that, that's, that part of it would kind of made me scratch my head. Like, you're going, you're making, this is your shove for Matthew Stafford. Like basically he's Kirk Cousins light uh, and it's, you know, that, that's kind of how I see him. So you look at the last four years, him and Jared Goff have really similar, really similar numbers. One of them playing for 
uh, a very smart offensive mind and a stable organization. Uh, Sean McVay, one of them, not uh, in Detroit, but it, it did it did strike me that it was a it was a big price to pay. Makes a little bit more sense in the context of okay, you're getting rid of Goff's contract, but I, I still think that it was a, a weird all-in move for a quarterback that I don't think is worthy of an all-in move in that kind of trade. You know, it's – the interesting thing – I mean, you, you mentioned what Mike Zimmer thinks of Jared Goff. We should probably give the people a little bit of background if, if they don't remember. It was before the, uh, the 2017 game against the Rams, right, where the first time they played them, and, and, and they beat them pretty bad. And they pretty much shut that offense down. And there, there was a lot of talk from the head coach that week that would suggest he – wasn't terribly worried about the newfangled Rams offense and kind of the, the assistance that Jared Goff gets from the sidelines in terms of reading defenses. So they beat him bad that year. And then Goff, of course, the next year had one of the better games of his career against the Vikings on that Thursday night. But yeah, I, I don't think that this is a move that Mike Zimmer was upset to see in terms of changing the quarterbacks in the division because Stafford has given them trouble or had given them trouble <laughs> until Matt Patricia came to town when, when Jim Caldwell was there, they had more trouble with Stafford, I dare say, than with Aaron Rodgers at that point. It's it's probably gone back the other way a little bit since then. But, yeah, I think the balance of that trade probably is not something terribly upsetting to Mike Zimmer. It, it does kind of make me wonder in the, in the grand scheme of things. You see so much of this in the NBA where the only teams that really have a chance in a given year, there's like five teams that have a chance to win a title – any given year. And I, we're not at that point in the NFL, but it does make me wonder a little bit how seriously anybody can take themselves if they don't have quote unquote, the guy. And the difference in the NFL is you can still get into the playoffs. You can, you can get hot you can kind of create the illusion of a run, I guess. But when you look at it at the end of the season, almost every year, it's, Big time quarterbacks playing in the in the, the conference championship or the Super Bowl or the occasional, as we've talked about, I think Mike wrote about, you get the teams that have the rookie quarterback that allows you to put enough pieces around him because the contract is cheap. Probably much like what the Rams did with Jared Goff a couple of years ago and, and the 49ers probably with Jimmy Garoppolo to some degree. Um, it's this this sort of perpetual search for teams that don't have the guy is a fascinating thing to me because there are a finite number of those at any given time in the world. I mean, there's probably five or six at any given time that you would say, this is a bona fide championship level quarterback. And the rest of the league, the rest of football is trying to find something they can either talk themselves into as being the solution or a way to say, we don't have the guy. We have to figure out a way to be competitive without that. And it, it, it just seems like the, the search for those is a fascinating subplot every year and, and certainly is going to be one this year. I don't know that the market is going to get as crazy as everybody's kind of talking about it being right now. But the fact of the matter is there are a lot of teams that are at a quarterback crossroads and that's going to create a lot of interest that way. So, yeah, it's uh, this – kind of stuck in the middle spot on quarterbacks is always makes for fascinating moves in the off season. Yeah. You're, you're very much, and we've talked about this, you're, you're very much kind of banking on being the anomaly. If you want to be the situation where it's Philadelphia with Nick Foles, you yep. know, 
Baltimore with Trent Dilfer or whatever. Um, we, we just don't see that very often. So that's obvious, right? And so we're going to see now in this rain, it feels like how long is Patrick Mahomes going to do this? Is he just going to continually be representing the AFC for however much longer? And then the NFC opponents are just going to come one by one and try to knock him off this pedestal. Um, and it's going to be that kind of that way where it's only going to be the Aaron Rodgers's or Tom Brady's, it seems like competing. And maybe you get a Case Keenum if you're the Vikings, if everything aligns. And you get that number one defense, maybe it works. Brady out. Mahomes will be the new uh, LeBron and Steph Curry. We've we've talked. Oh God, I hope Brady doesn't do this that much longer. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Um, but to go back down to the finite and the smaller details of this uh, with Stafford, um, I would disagree. Just on the one point, Mike, you say he's like Kirk Cousins light. I think I think that's one thing that gets misconstrued about him. I think people look at that and say, well, he's never won anything. He's never won a playoff game. He's never done this or that look at Deshaun Watson look at look at how good Deshaun Watson has been for that Texans franchise and what have they done besides blown a huge playoff lead I think against Patrick Mahomes not that long ago um a franchise can destroy a talent and we've seen that we've seen franchises whittle away and just uh, marginalize all-time great talents and Detroit is one of the best examples of that from Barry Sanders to Calvin Johnson to Matthew Stafford and I don't I don't think he's quite up to that level of those other two guys but he's up there. And if he were in a franchise like L.A. from the jump or with a coaching staff like that from the jump, we're talking about a guy who's potentially a Hall of Famer, bona fide. Instead of now, we're just going to say after his career, depending on what he does here, oh, is he maybe one of those guys we should consider for something like that? I think he really is that good. Um, and I think this was worth it. And I think Sean McVay knows what he's looking for. And I think this makes L.A. one of the favorites right away to be a Super Bowl contender. And I think it makes Detroit that much worse because that was a great point you said Mike they paid to get rid of Jared Goff with those two first round picks and Jared Goff is going to make Detroit that much worse these next two years yeah it's going to make them worse but I think Detroit's play is hey we have to do something here and if the price of getting the extra the first round pick was we absorb a couple of years of Jared Goff okay we can we can deal with that but yeah the Stafford thing is interesting because I have tended to think that Talent-wise, he is better than what his numbers have shown. I mean, he's he's had to spend a lot of years trying to make chicken salad out of chicken redacted. And it will be interesting to see what happens in a place where he doesn't have to do quite as much of that. So, yeah, I, I think certainly the Vikings have thought probably more of him than I think a lot of teams have. I mean, we've heard Mike Zimmer probably talk about him in ways that, Hey, I, I know a lot. And maybe it's, you know, Wednesday carpet bagging when you're trying to talk up an opponent a little bit to some degree, but I, I think they've had enough trouble with him and Zimmer has said it enough times that I, I don't think they look at him as, Oh, you know, he's just a bunch of empty stats. I, I think some of the throws he makes and, and really he's more mobile than a lot of people would see him as being. And the Vikings got burned by that. Uh, in that, I think the second Thanksgiving Day game in, uh, sorry, the first one in 2016, he had like a, a 15, 16 yard scramble on a, a third and 15 that kind of turned that game. I mean, the Vikings had a chance to get off the field and, and he made that play and kind of got away from a couple people. And um, so I think there's enough skill set there that I, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what he can do in a better situation. And the Vikings will see him next year. They'll, they'll come to, to Minneapolis. I, uh, yeah, yeah, that game is in Minneapolis next year. So it's a repeat of the 2017 schedule, basically, which then also puts um, the Seahawks in Minneapolis. Yep. 
Um, we'll have plenty of chances to talk about that when the schedule comes out in April and everybody goes, wait a minute, the Seahawks are coming here. What? Um, and we can talk about how the schedule rotation works and go through that once again, no conspiracy. <laughs> um, anyway, Matthew Stafford's going out. It seems like Aaron Rodgers is staying in though. Um, uh, we haven't talked or done a podcast since, um, basically the quarterback, the front office, the coach, everybody's thrown cold water on any kind of speculation that Aaron will be leaving Green Bay. This all started, obviously, as we talked about with Aaron. Or no, have we even done a podcast since this? We haven't since Aaron no. even spoke because this was after they lost, clearly. Um, so Aaron Rodgers came out and said basically that his future for a, a lot of guys' futures uncertain, including his. And that beautiful mystery that kick started everything. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. Contractually, the Packers have a lot of control. Aaron Rodgers has come out and said that, that his future is not totally in his own hands. Um, so with that said, Mike, what did you think about the Packers' latest NFC Championship loss and what that means for Aaron Rodgers' future? Oh, Andrew, you know I don't like to talk about the Packers losing. Um, no, I, no I, I was surprised. I thought they were the better team. I thought Rodgers played pretty well. I thought it was insane that they didn't try one more play from fourth on you know, fourth and goal from the eight. Um, you know, he almost pulled it out. He, he played pretty well in that game. He, he outplayed Brady, Brady threw three interceptions. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. Brady was not really very good in that game, except in, you know, making some really big throws towards the end of the first half and early second half. He kind of fell apart in that game. Blind Kevin King throw at him. Profit. Yeah. Yes, there was, there was a lot of that, but yeah. So, you know, it was probably one of those, after that game, emotions are raw, right? You you've had you have home field. You're thinking, you know, you got the MVP quarterback. He you you think, you know, even though Tampa Bay is a good team, they're the five seed. Like you think you should win this game, you don't. So then it's like, where do we go from here? And so you know, Rogers probably had some of these things in the back of his mind already. He talked about some of these things, you know, in in previous sessions. That you know, it's just it's the reality when you draft a quarterback like Jordan Love your tenure probably will come to a close at some point, unless it's more of a Brady Garoppolo situation where you end up trading the the guy that you draft instead of the guy that, you know, the veteran that you had. Um, so I, I never really thought he was going anywhere. It was more interesting to see kind of the, the machinations of, of, of how he thinks about his future is kind of probably a little bit of leveraging on his part. He probably would like a new contract. That wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, he's the, he's the MVP, like he's like, he's the MVP. And he, you know, even before he was the MVP this year, like he's not the kind of guy you, tra- I don't think he's just the, he's not the kind of guy you trade. And it, it's even though the drafting of Jordan love opened the door for some of that talk and was, it still stands out as a curious move in my book, even if you're a forward thinking organization, um, it, it, I just, I just, it's hard for me to envision him going anywhere, at least, in the next two to three years. And so, it, you know, it's probably just one of those stories that played out the way it should. They, they all said, no, he's not really going anywhere. And it would be a complete stunner if, uh, if he did. Yeah. Ben, this sounded like another diva Packers quarterback saying they don't know whether they want to come back or not. Well, according to him, it's just that athletes never talk honestly. And he's the only one that does. I think it's what he said to Pat McAfee is that people just aren't using, used to hearing athletes, speak their minds which to some degree is true but he's also the type that likes to say things and kind of get everybody talking and then does the well all you guys took it the wrong way it there's a little bit of that messaging i think that has gone into a lot of 
the way he's played it in his career, whether it's calling out Mike McCarthy at times from the podium. Uh, I think some of the things he has said about teammates over the years has, I mean, heck, go back to the Greg Jennings saga when Jennings signed here. There were, you know, a couple of those little comments or the side eye. I mean, he, he's kind of a, a master of, of some of those things. And I think for anybody that, I mean, it, it, he took issue with people saying, okay, this is, this, he's going to go here. Here's what's going to happen and all this kind of stuff. But there are a lot of people that have covered that team for a long time. That, that beat does not turn over much. So you have people like Rob Domofsky, uh, Jason Wildy, Tom Silverstein that have covered that team for dating back to the Brett Favre era. And I say that to say they are plugged in. They know what's going on with that team. I, I, I respect all three of those guys and, and trust a lot of their work. And all three of them, to some degree, were saying there's something here. There, there's some level of tension that has to get sorted out between Aaron and the Packers. And I, I think there's probably, you mentioned the contract, there's probably a little bit of, hey, when are we going to get the sort of all-in type season that I just saw Tom Brady have? And he's celebrating on the Lambeau Field turf on the way to the Super Bowl again. I, I mean, I, I'm sure some of that stuff's going through his mind. I, I don't think that Jordan Love being there means he's going to be gone this year. But I certainly think when you draft a guy in the first round, first-round quarterbacks tend to play at some point or another. So I think the idea that he finishes his career there is certainly a lot less likely than it was. And that some of that's probably in his mind, too, him just saying, hey, I, hey, they drafted a first-round quarterback. It, it kicks the door open to the different possibilities of where my career goes. I, I don't think that happens this year. I just – he played too well, and Jordan Love was not active for most of the season. So I don't think they're just going to turn things over. Because people need to remember, too, when they turned it over to Rodgers, he had sat for three years. He'd had a good preseason like the year before. He had a game where he came in, Favre got hurt, and he almost let him back in, a, I think, a game in Dallas. And So they had a little more to go on to say he's ready. And Favre had done the back-and-forth thing in terms of, you know, could I play? I, I know I could play. I don't know if I want to play. Um, for, for a number of years, finally got one of those. I haven't done that in a while. Um, so they, they were tired of it. I, I think this is a different scenario for a number of reasons. I, I think it'll get worked out. I think he's back there next year, but I also think there's, it's worth paying attention to some of the smoke, if only because it tells you about the state of the relationship there that hey, we'll probably have to get addressed at some point before 2021 season gets uh, kicked off. Yeah. Speaking of smoke, um, we saw a lot of that out there with um, some Kirk Cousins to San Francisco rumors. These are things we talk about. I was wondering where that was going. We <laughs> Ricky Williams? That could have that could have gone many many different ways. Um, <laughs> no, I wanted to talk about the, um, the the tweet heard around the world. Apparently, uh, Kyle Shanahan's interest or desire to coach Kirk Cousins one day, which he said throughout his entire time in San Francisco, became news again this week, hmm. um, and. There's been no indication from anybody reputable that the San Francisco 49ers have even been in on the quarterback market. They reportedly didn't even make an offer on Matthew Stafford. Um, there's no indication they're even in on Kirk Cousins um, or that the Vikings are even open to listening to these kinds of deals. But what is there to be in on when? Well, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you believe Kirk Cousins is the perfect quarterback for this kind of system. And the Vikings will say the same thing about a similar system they run here. So why mm -hmm. would they? 
Why would they want to move him right now? And for what is the biggest question? So Ben, I guess let's start with you. And what did you think when you saw this stuff pop up? And what would you say to people who are wondering about Kirk Cousins' future? I, when I saw it pop up, I thought, um, to quote a quarterback in a neighboring state, slow news day was, I guess, my first reaction. Quarterback in a neighboring state that said, I think, on Pat McAfee's show last or a couple weeks ago or whenever that was. But yeah, it, it's, it felt to me like the kind of thing where people are just putting pieces together and say, hey, Kyle Shanahan likes Kirk Cousins. He's made that clear. And that stuff is valid in the sense that we see teams do that all the time. You know, Philip Rivers landing in Indianapolis last year. He worked with Frank Reich when Frank Reich was in San Diego. Those things happen a lot. NFL teams look at players they have worked with, players they have relationships with, schematic fits. All of that stuff has a lot to do with where players ultimately end up. So on that sense, I think it's valid. I just – there's no – reporting or no inclination from anybody that number one, the Vikings are looking to move on from Kirk Cousins. And number two, like you said, the 49ers are going to make the run for him other than the fact that Kyle Shanahan's impression of Cousins has been established over time. I, for the Vikings, it if you're going to do it, you're eating $20 million in cap space and you can add somebody else and, and probably still be at the same number you were at with Cousins, but it's not Jimmy Garoppolo. If you, if you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, you're spending more money on your quarterbacks, and I think you're taking a step back in terms of the level of the player and the durability of the player, which is, has been, as the Vikings know, is an important thing because they haven't had the kind of durability that Cousins has given them in an awfully long time at that position. So if you do it, I think you're, you're taking a step back and you're doing so with a front office and a head coach that probably can't afford to do that. This is a group that I think needs to win and a group that wants to win a certain way. So I, you have, there's a lot, I think that you have to overcome to even get to the point of doing something different at the quarterback position, given the way you're set up and, and where you feel like you need to go. The, the only scenario, and I think this is a little bit of Madden franchise mode, fantasy football sort of talk, but if you can parlay this somehow into Deshaun Watson, do you think about it? Yes, I think you do. Because we talk about having the, having the guy. I think Deshaun Watson is a lot closer to being the guy in the right spot than Kirk Cousins is. And he's 25. So if you can go get a guy like that, I, I am very much of the opinion that you do what it takes to get that guy because it opens the window for a, a lot longer time. The problem becomes if you have him, he does not fit what you have – stated multiple times you want to do on offense. I don't know that he is going to look at this and say, yeah, this is, a, this is the fit for me. And I don't know if they're going to look at him and say, yeah, we want to turn the whole thing over to that type of an offense. So I, it just, it feels like a lot of bank shots to me that are going to be hard to connect on. All right, Mike. So Kirk Cousins for a one in 49ers defensive end, Eric Armstead, Vikings turnaround flip, Three ones and Daniil Hunter for Deshaun Watson. Who says no? I say no. First of all, are we okay? So are we? Andrew is not happy. We've. I like. I. I don't mind it. It's just not. Here, here's. Here's what I think. First of all, can we establish what? What do we think is fair market value? If giant, giant, giant. If what's Kirk? What? What? What would Kirk Cousins bring back in a trade? Just like as a baseline. What? What's? What's his trade value? I Boy, would. I, 
I would just start by saying I would not look at Matthew Stafford and say, well, no. if he got that, Kirk Cousins gets the same thing. That was Matthew Stafford plus, hey, we'll take this bad contract off your hands. Right. So if you're factoring in the price, that needs to go into the equation. Can you get a one for Kirk Cousins? Is he worth a one at least? I think you can. I, I think you should be able to try at least. You know what? You can try to do anything you want, and you should try for that. Um, <laughs> That's nice, Andrew. You should try, you should try to do anything you want. You're just like, <laughs> you should try for that because – Look, I think maybe the realistic thing is more a two. Maybe that's more of his actual realistic market value because you look at Sam Bradford once upon a time, the Vikings know went for a one. Sam Bradford went for a one and a four. Um, that was such a desperation play that nobody in their right mind is going to be doing that this time of year, probably. Um, I think you look at other quarterback trades. I think Jay Cutler before this was the last quarterback to go for multiple ones. So it doesn't happen very often. Um, Kirk though, has put up the kind of numbers in this system. And if you pair him with a guy, let's say San Francisco is the destination, he's worth whatever one person's going to pay for him. And if that's the suitor, you know, that person is going to pay potentially a lot because they like him a lot, a lot more than let's say Houston or some other franchise that doesn't have the history with him or doesn't know how to put him in the right kind of system. Um, I don't know, Ben, do you disagree? I think you could get potentially, if you're looking at San Francisco and both sides want to do something. I don't see why a one wouldn't be out of the picture. Yeah, I think you could get a one. I don't think you're getting a one. Ones. Yeah, let alone I, I several ones that would necessitate a one rack. One, let alone many ones that would necessitate a, a one rack or something. Boy, we got lots of '90s movies references yeah, we here. Do. Um, yeah, I think you could get one, but then it's this question of where are you? Because I, I, I don't the Vikings don't strike me as a team that wants to go turn things over to a young quarterback and say, let's not reboot, but come pretty darn close to that. If, if you're going to play with a, a rookie quarterback, unless here's the one scenario right. where I can see this making sense. If you are Rick Spielman and you can go to ownership and say, Hey, I know we just did the contract with cousins. I know we have to pay him this big signing bonus. I know there's going to be dead cap, but we believe that if we go get Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or Justin Fields, and I, I'm not saying I know what the Vikings think of these quarterbacks. I'm just throwing out the names that everybody's going to talk about other than Trevor Lawrence, who's going to go to Jacksonville number one. And that's just how it's going to go. But if you think you can get one of those guys and you can go to ownership and say, this is going to set us back by a year or two, but we think we can rebuild the defense while we have this cheap quarterback and then be ready to make a run in 2022 2023 yeah do they go for that that's that's the that's the move to me not Deshaun Watson I like Deshaun Watson he's not Patrick Mahomes um I I worry that is for as good as he is and is you know he's definitely better than Kirk Cousins but is he kind of uh, the same is he gonna are you gonna encounter the same problem with this solution where you're suddenly paying him a lot by 2022. The cap hit is already big in 2021 because you're taking back his 11 million hit plus the, the hit for Cousins. Yep. Suddenly he's in the 30s for those next years. Uh, maybe you do a restructure, but still, like he, you're not getting the 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 maximum value of of a Deshaun Watson, which was the early part of that contract. If you repackage the 12 and the 14 and something else, probably like a future two or something like that, to get up to number four or three to make sure you get the quarterback you want. Is, is that the smarter play? Is that the one where you say, okay, we, 
we, we, we've seen how far we can go with Kirk Cousins. It, it's nice, but it's not great. We've made the playoffs one out of three years. We won a playoff game, but even at the very best, this is the ceiling. It's 10 or 11 wins, and that's that's where it ends. Like, it, Do you then say, can you convince yourself, can Rick Spielman convince himself that he can keep his job beyond 2021 if he makes a move like that? Can he convince ownership that that's the right idea? But I think that would be like if you are – if you have a team that is willing to take Kirk Cousins for a first round pick, and that's a fair trade. Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback. He's not the problem, but the amount of money he makes plus where he is in his career, like, are you really going to get where you want to go in the next three or four years? I, I don't think so. So if you can trade him for one, then all of a sudden you don't have to mortgage three future first round picks to, to move up. Um, you know, you've got, you know, another pick to, to use from somebody else. You do a future pick. You know, and then you then you can still kind of add around this rookie quarterback that you're drafting in 2022 and beyond. The other question I think you have to answer in that scenario, if you're Rick Spielman, I would I would expect ownership would say this: given where we've been at quarterback in the last decade or so since Rick Spielman took over, it was before the 2012 season that he took over. Um, it's been Christian Ponder. It's been kind of wandering in the wilderness after you decided Ponder wasn't the guy. It was Bridgewater who, you know, for all we know, would have turned into something that's sustainable if his knee hadn't blown up. Maybe not. You know, we've kind of seen post-surgery Teddy Bridgewater. We don't know that that, that is going to be the elite-level quarterback either. It's been him. It's been Bradford. It's been Case Keenum. It's been Kirk Cousins. It's been a long time of – trying different things from first round picks to expensive veterans and not having the guy, so to speak. I think cousins is the closest they've been, but I I still don't think they have one at that level. So if you're ownership and you say, we've given all the commitments we've made based on the recommendations you've had at the quarterback position and given where we are, why should we go make another pretty large change of direction and go this route and and plan on another two or three years before we get some uncertain payoff. And why should we think that that payoff is going to arrive with this new solution? I, I, that would be the question I think that Spielman would have to answer in that scenario. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the one thing that's interesting and I, this kind of runs counter to something I wrote last week, but you know, when Stafford gets traded, when there's a lot of kind of, teams start thinking about, Oh, Matthew Stafford got traded. There's a lot of other things that are kind of moving around. Like maybe they tried to get in on the Stafford talk. Like all of a sudden teams start to think about, can we change our quarterback? If, if you have an opportunity, like if you're, there might not be an opportunity again, like San Francisco fits a specific need. If San Francisco is really making a push for Kirk cousins, they're, they're probably going to move on from him and do something else. If you say no, and then that, that, that window closes. So if you feel like this is kind of the sweet spot where, a lot of people are kind of getting into this quarterback market and wow, San Francisco really seems like they want to get in on this. This might be the time to strike. If you are convinced that you can't do anything better than that. Here's one for you. This is, this is a ridiculous scenario, but why not? We're having fun. Where's Aaron Rodgers from Bay area. It's from the Bay area. Uh, does San Francisco play a similar system to the one he runs at green Bay? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Uh, San Francisco trades for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Packers then don't want Jimmy Garoppolo, but they need a caretaker until Jordan Love is ready. Hmm, who's, where's another quarterback that uh, plays a similar system 
that, um, well, I can't even say this with a straight face, that, you know, may want to make the, the no. move to stay Come in the on. NFC North. Stop it. Closer to Michigan. Tweet Tweet quarterbacks it's never a, get to the ferry ne- ride across. No. They, Tweet they it. Never, they never move in the division. Tweet it. You, know, you would you would you would finally <laughs> know for sure what the Vikings think of Kirk Cousins if they were willing to trade them to their biggest rival. Yeah. That is I, sure. There's no scenario <laughs> no. that that would happen. No, but I know. Just just to get fun. people a little riled up for a minute. Just having fun. We're gonna play February. ridiculous quarterback trade scenarios. I can put the pieces together. Just ask schematic fits are there. Rogers goes home. Cousins stays in the division. Gets closer to home. All Why right. not? For- for the sake of brevity, we will uh, move on now. Talk about the Vikings coaching staff a little bit before we take your Twitter questions. Um, I think the biggest moves right now still left to, to be made for the Vikings. Obviously, Ben are the official OC position. Um, they've talked to some people externally. And trading Kirk Cousins to Green Bay. And trading Kirk Cousins to Green Bay. Thank you. Yes. Other than that, yeah. Other than that, um, they've hired a wide receivers coach in Keenan McCardell, the former NFL wide receiver and Maryland and Jaguars assistant coach. Um, they've got openings at defensive backs coach still. Oh, special teams coordinator. They promoted a uh, longtime assistant, Ryan Ficken, a guy who's well-liked in that organization. has been there for, I think, 11 years. I can't remember exactly. 14. How. 14. Wow. Yeah. My mistake. Yeah. So he's been there just as long as Kevin Stefanski was before Stefanski got his head coaching job. Um, so they promoted from within for the special teams job. Um, and then what else do they have open, Ben? What am I missing? Oh, a senior assistant potentially bringing in too. That's what you've heard, right? Yes. Yeah. The, the Gary Kubiak, Dom Capers type that has been around the league. I've heard they want to do that again. So, I mean, Tyke Tolbert's name came up as a, as an offensive coordinator candidate. I think certainly that interview is, is valid. I mean, certainly that's, what I've heard is, has happened as well, but I, I could also see a scenario where he becomes sort of that senior offensive assistant type. If Clint Kubiak is the offensive coordinator, which I still think is the most likely scenario, everything I've heard. And you just look at the puzzle pieces. I think that's where it's headed because if he's not the guy, he stays as the quarterback coach. You just hired Keenan McCardell, Andrew Janoko, then the wide receivers coach who they like a lot and who just led Justin Jefferson to a record-breaking rookie season is then going to a new position that is not really a move up. And he's worked with offensive linemen in the past. You could maybe move him to a different spot, but the natural promotion for him, especially given the fact he was a college quarterback, which Gary Kubiak, I, I will also say, went out of his way to point out towards the end of the season. He, he included in the sort of – evaluation I asked him kind of a fairly general question about Janoko talking about how he was a college quarterback and how he likes that in his coaches and and likes the way that that helps him inform things with his receivers so Gary I've talked to a couple of people about that quote and they've kind of said yeah Gary has times where he'll give you a little bit of a window into how things are probably going to go so my guess is that that scenario is one that he had recommended as well I I still think that Gary was not going to walk away from this thing knowing that it would impact his son and coaches that he's very close with adversely. So I, I think it still goes that way. Uh, whereas Janoko is a QB coach, Kubiak is the OC, you bring in McCardle, and then maybe you add another senior offensive assistant. So I, I, I my sense is it still goes that way. It, it could go, something else could happen, but I think that's where it goes. And then you got to figure out uh, who your DB coach is with Toronto Jones going to LSU 
they have a new strength coach, um, Josh Hinks from Philadelphia, and Brian Ficken gets promoted. Nick Rallis, as you mentioned, left for the Eagles to go with Jonathan Gannon, who used to coach with the Vikings. They got to know each other a little bit there. So still need a DB coach, OC, assistant linebackers coach, basically, or defensive quality control guy, um, and maybe the senior offensive assistant. Yeah, and I think the key for the Vikings is they can at least go this at their own pace because the pillars of what they want on offense and defense are kind of set. They're not changing much. They still want the same kind of schemes. They still want the same ideas. Um, and clearly on offense, whatever coordinator change that is, whether it is Tyke Tolbert or whether it is uh, Clint Kubiak, um, you're going to see them through Mike Zimmer wanting to run that same kind of wide zone play action, Kubiak, Shanahan style scheme. So because of that. Or they're waiting on Eric B. Enemy, as I saw somebody <laughs> put out there this morning. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay up waiting for that one either. Maybe the Vikings can do things differently within their system with a younger mind, maybe kind of bringing ideas to it. Maybe there's something to that. They could. Um, the question I think is if you are Mike Zimmer, are you going to say, yeah, let's put in some of these newer things. Let's have more motion. Let's have more play action. I mean, and play action is, I guess, probably not the biggest addition they need to make. Cousins has done that very well. They've run quite a bit of it. They've made that a staple. They've talked about that. So they could do more of it, I think, given where the league has gone. The biggest thing they differ from the trend of the rest of the league and the trend of what analytics would say is more efficient is how much they run the ball. I mean, that that is the big thing. And Mike Zimmer has made it very clear that he and the analytics community are of different mindsets on that. So the question I would have is how much will that change and how much will this idea of running on second and long, uh, not taking shots on second and short, just the, the number of times Dalvin Cook is touching the ball overall, how much does that change in the hands of a new coordinator? I, I don't know that it changes a ton given some of the parameters under which Mike Zimmer has said he wants to run the offense. How much will Mike Zimmer change is a question that you can ask a lot and won't get a fairly significant answer other than not much. The, the interesting thing in this story that you and I have been working on this week, Andrew, is you have these two older coaches that, I mean, Andy Reid in his first act as the Eagles coach was fairly conservative, but you've seen a lot of change from him in terms of the way they call their offense. I mean, adding some of the air stuff to the West coast. I mean, yeah, I mean, Andy Reid was kind of OG, West Coast offense in the sense of he was in Green Bay with Mike Holmgren, all these coaches that Holmgren brought along from San Francisco. I mean, you know, kind of one iteration down from Bill Walsh really in the way that it went, where it's John Gruden and Steve Mariucci, Marty Morningweg on, on that coaching staff. And he brought a lot of those same ideas to Philadelphia. But So you've seen him since they got Mahomes start to implement the air raid stuff, more spread sets more motion, all of these college concepts that came with Mahomes, he said, if we're going to take this guy, we have to run his offense. So it's been that. It's been being way more aggressive on fourth downs. He's become one of the more aggressive fourth down coaches in the league. And the comeback to that, and it's a valid one, is when you have Patrick Mahomes, it's a lot easier. And I agree with that. But he has become more willing to just hit the gas. It's been interesting to see that. It's been interesting to see – even in the last few weeks, the way the Buccaneers have started to adapt some things, Bruce Arians has talked about he doesn't like motion. He has not used a ton of play action over the years. Peyton Manning never liked motion. So 
Arians kind of said, well, if Manny doesn't like it, it's good enough for me to, to base it on that as well. But Brady had run a lot of that stuff in New England with another older coach, Bill Belichick, that has kind of facilitated some of that adaption, I guess, with Josh McDaniels calling the plays. But it's been interesting to see these older coaches that have adapted to their quarterbacks and said, hey, when you've got a quarterback of this caliber, you do what that quarterback likes. And that's kind of been the trend I think we've seen from both of these guys that have been around an awfully long time. All right, Mike, enough enough of this scheme talk. I got to ask you, who you got, Chiefs or Bucks? Chiefs by 17. <clears throat> I think it's going to be a blowout Super Bowl. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's like a 38 21 kind of game. I just, I, I don't think Tom, I think Tom Brady had a good year. I think, I think he's, he's made a lot of mistakes. He, he throws the throws that he made against Green Bay, like aside from, you know, the, the really good ones, like they were like two of the three interceptions were like rookie interceptions. They were like really bad interceptions. Now, one of them was kind of a throw punt, whatever, you know, his third down, just throw it up, see what happens. But, you know, the one he threw into like double coverage, like who, who is this guy? So I feel like, the Chiefs will find a way to score a lot of points, even against a good defense. And I don't think this game will be particularly close. I think we're back to a blowout Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's close. I, I think the Chiefs win. I mean, they, they play in the regular season and beat them by three. The, the question I have is that Buccaneers front against the Chiefs offensive line is a big question. I mean, we saw Mike Remmers in the Super Bowl against Von Miller a few years back. He will be protecting Patrick Mahomes, among others, again on Sunday can they protect Mahomes well enough that that Bucks front can't at least slow things down? You're not going to completely stop Mahomes, but can you slow things down enough that it's close? And I, we've seen Tom Brady play nine Super Bowls. He's never been blown out in one. So, I mean, the, even the one that looked like it was going to be a blowout turned into the greatest comeback ever in the first overtime Super Bowl ever. So I, I think it's close. I think Brady will keep them in it. I, yeah, I mean, he, he did not play particularly well in the NFC title game, but I think did enough obviously to pick on that secondary and, and we'll have some opportunities, I think, to do it against the chiefs as well. I, I think the chiefs offense is, is certainly the class of the league. I think they win, but yeah, I, I think it's a close game. I, I think it'll be an entertaining Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I hope it is. I'm rooting for a close game, certainly, but I could see it go Mike's way and be a blowout toward the chiefs. Um, but when you look at Kansas city this year, they haven't, They've let teams stick around. Yeah. Um, they haven't really blown a ton of teams the out. Last year too. I mean, they were had to come back in all those games. Yeah, they've been a dominating force in moments, and then they've kind of let teams, at least during the regular season, for the most part, creep back into it. And I guess Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, those are just you know the cliches. Those aren't the guys you want to let just kind of hang around. And I think we're going to see a close game at the end. I think it's going to be entertaining, and I do think, like Ben said. It's going to be a little, little closer, but I still think the Chiefs are going to win back to back. I don't see how Patrick Mahomes loses. I just don't see how. We see this guy. We've seen him fall behind um, double digits and just come back in like a finger snap. Like it's just insane, kind of the talent they've got. So even though, even though Tampa Bay's front is so good, and even though it is Mike Remmers uh, starting on the offensive line, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to do enough and. Who knows? Who knows how long they're going to keep doing this? This could just go on yeah. for years now. Or Patrick Mahomes winning rings. I'm saying it's and, uh, maybe Brady. <laughs> Mike, is Brady just sticking around so he just makes sure that Mahomes doesn't kind of outscore him there? I think the Brady's sticking around so that he's um, can surpass Aaron Rodgers in most NFC championships and not just tie him. 
How many more would he need? You just need one more. In terms of wins or number of, I thought he meant appearances. No, he, that wasn't really appearances they got either. No, John, Tom yeah. Brady has as many NFC titles as Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers now. It's it's my favorite cheap shot stat of the decade. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get to some Twitter questions here. Um, we've got one from William looking ahead to free agency. He wants to know, is there any chance the Vikings extend Riley Reef and Harrison Smith to help the salary cap? Um, ben, yes, what do you think? I think there is a chance of that happening. I think the Riley Reef scenario where he's just shoved out the door is, I don't think it's going to be that simple. I think they are at least going to look at the possibility of extending him to number one, like he mentioned, reduce the cap hit, but also potentially give him a chance to stick around for a couple of more years. He, he played awfully well in 2020, and he's had some years where he's up and down. I don't think he's going to be the, the best left tackle in the league, certainly, but he at least is able to solidify that position a little bit longer if, if you want to go that way and if you think Ezra Cleveland is a guard and not your left tackle. If you want to move on with Ezra Cleveland as your left tackle, then there's probably no reason to keep Riley Reef around. But I don't think it's impossible that they extend him. I also don't think it's impossible they extend Harrison Smith, who has no guaranteed money left in that contract. Uh, he's playing, I believe, into the final year of it, which is something we don't see happen very much. I mean, to see an NFL, especially a defender, Jared Allen did it too. But to see a defender play out a contract is fairly remarkable and is a testament to how good Harrison Smith has been. But the way they structured that, it was a, a six-year deal, basically, because they added five years on to the end of his rookie deal. And then the bonus is already completely paid out or, again, already completely accounted against the cap. So there's no dead money left in that thing in terms of the signing bonus if they were to cut him. So it makes sense both because he's still good enough to keep around and because – he probably is going to want some security for them to do an extension and then possibly uh, re reduce that cap hit. You maybe add a couple of years onto it for him, give him some new guaranteed money, reduce the cap. I, I think that's more likely than some scenario where they cut him and try to keep Anthony Harris. I, Anthony Harris is younger, but I, I think Harrison Smith is still, even though last year was not his best and everything going on in front of him was kind of chaotic. I still think, He's in the long-term plan. So, yeah, I think extensions for both are certainly possibilities. Yeah, Mike, I think we've talked about the possibility of Reef sticking around. I mean, did he play well enough in your estimation and keep him around? Because this is one of those situations where they don't have a uh, embarrassment of riches on the O-line. Yeah, I don't think they're in a spot where they're going to be, you know, uh, getting rid of competent offensive linemen. At least I would hope not. If, if something can be done at a reasonable rate, I would say – Yes. Now, I guess some of that depends on what they think of Ezra Cleveland. Do they think of him more as a, a guard now because he played guard last season, or do they still envision he and Brian O'Neill as kind of their tackles of the future? Um, but I guess a tackle of your future can still be the guard of your present if you feel like Riley Reef is good and is good and is worth keeping around for another couple of years to to you know as you try to you know solidify what has been a weakness on this team. Yeah. Uh, Al wants to know, do you see the Vikings using the franchise tag on any players this year? Uh, ben, what do you think? I can't see it. I mean, Anthony Harris is not going to get it again. Um, Eric Wilson would probably be the other 
thought. I I have a hard time seeing that too. I mean, just I, it's a lot of money to pay for a guy like that, especially if you keep Anthony Barr, which I think there's a possibility they do. So, no, I don't. I guess I don't see them using it this year. They don't do it very much, do they? I mean, when Har- when they did it to Harris, they hadn't done it for a while, right? This is the first time since Chad Greenway, I think. So, yeah, they don't do it very much. Yeah, and that was a that was a surprise last year when they did that because that was coming off the heels of Mike Zimmer basically saying we don't think we're going to be able to afford him or we don't. Yep. If I believe the direct quote was more something like, um, or the quote was more something like, um, if you were to rank the positions at which we should pay, safety wouldn't necessarily be at the top or something like that. And and they talked about a trade. I mean, they they shopped around. A, there was discussion of a tag and trade after they did that. Yeah. Yeah. So they weren't necessarily trying to hold on to him, maybe trying to get draft, more draft capital than they would have through a compensatory pick with him signing elsewhere, especially because they had so many free agents leaving at that time anyway, too. Yep. Um, they maybe thought, hey, we can get our max comp picks and get this pick from tagging and trading a guy. And but get the pick a year failed. earlier. Yeah. And then they failed to um, trade him, um, weren't able to get the compensation they wanted, ended up holding on to him. Didn't really work out for Anthony or the Vikings. Um, but we can move on from that. We got a question from Edward who wants to know, um, do we know how many and what round compensation picks the Vikings will get this year? Um, and I have seen projections for that. It does look like the Vikings are expected to get at least two of them. I believe yep. one of them being a third for Trey Waynes. And then like I believe, six, right? and then, yeah, I believe the other one was like a sixth, maybe from Mackenzie Alexander's $4 million deal or something like that. Yep. Um, they should get some more than that in that uh, way through draft capital. They've got 10 picks right now, I believe, currently in the 2021 draft, and then they should get at least probably two more. So they'll have 12. Again, Ben, can they flip that to 15 picks? I was going to say the bar was set last year, and you know that if there's a chance to clear it, that if if there's anybody that's going to be bold enough to try, and if there's anybody to whom that would matter, Rick Spielman would be your guy. So sure. could they flip it to 15? Yeah, I think they could. Yeah, we can. Um, we got some more from we got some more from Jake here. Wants to know of, of the Vikings three premier veterans that have expiring contracts after 21 or 22. Who is the most likely to get an extension this offseason? Um, oh, oh, I guess he lists them at the end here. Kirk Cousins, Riley Reef and Harrison Smith. So we already talked about Reef and Harrison wants to know in addition of Kirk Cousins getting a possible extension in that mix too. Ben, when they did the contract for Kirk last year, I mean, it kind of looked like this is a deal that could get reworked, not necessarily as soon as this year, but maybe as soon as next year. Yeah. I think next year, I mean, so his, his number for next year would be guaranteed if he is still around by March 19th, which I short of a trade. I think there's every reason to think there w- that he will be here. We, what basically that does is make it a fully guaranteed deal once again. So his cap number in 2022 is $45 million. It is the largest in the NFL, more than Patrick Mahomes has on the cap that year. I, I cannot see a scenario where he's playing here on that number. I, that feels structured to me to essentially force the Vikings to come to the table on something. I, I, just, I think that number is there as a, a trigger in some ways to say we got to do some kind of an extension again or figure out a way to move on or whatever it would be. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if you still think he's your guy after this year, 
I don't think he's playing on a number that's $45 million. So the long-term extension, I mean, you, you probably have to address Reef and Smith sooner than that. But if speaking specifically about Cousins, I think if he's around next year and you still think he's your guy, then you're probably doing something where you're signing up for a couple more years. All right, Mike, we got time for one more question. What do you uh, William wants to know, is cutting – is time for one more. Is Kyle Rudolph is cutting Kyle Rudolph a foregone conclusion? Yeah, I guess we haven't talked since Kyle Rudolph went on Ben Lieber's podcast. And Probably should get off the podcast. Probably should get off the podcast. Basically, opened up about um, his thoughts, his, his true thoughts on the offense, and, and kind of his outlook. He wants to catch the ball more after having a career low two point three catches per game, I believe, in a single touchdown. Um, yeah, they don't use him a lot. And he came out and said the obvious, I'd like to get used in the passing game. He was asked about being um, that kind of player coach for the guys. And he said, I'm just not at that point in my career yet. He said, um, I believe he said something like if I've got, you know, three or four years left in my career and they want to sign me up for something like that, I would be happy to do that. But he said he still feels like he's got a few years left contributing. Um, so Ben, that to me anyway, Sounded like the adios um, before the Vikings give him the official adios potentially in March. It did, but there was, we should also go back to two years ago. He talked fairly openly a couple of times about the possibility of being traded. So there was that kind of discussion of him leaving before he ended up signing a deal and then everybody was happy. So I, I wouldn't take what he said as the ultimate indicator of that he's gone, but I, I do think common sense would suggest that that probably is the likely scenario. I, I think <clears throat> looking at paying nine and a half million dollars for a guy that you have decided is not going to be as big a part of your passing game just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, he might be trying to position himself for the next thing and, you know, try to, it, it might've been an attempt to say, let's just cut the court here and let's you know, stop kind of beating around the bush. If you, if you're not going to use me this way, then, then let's go. But um, yeah, I, I tend to think that he's probably not here. I, I don't know that this slams the door, but I think it's a reflection of everything that we've been saying and, and frankly asking Kyle Rudolph about for the better part of the year. I mean, we, this, this is not a, a topic that hasn't been uh, put before him in the past. Yeah, I think Ben's point's a good one. I don't think you go on a podcast and say those things accidentally. There's certainly a purpose to that. He knew it would get picked up. You think either he's thinking like, hey, you know, tell me how you feel about me. Or are we going to do this here? Or let's, let's, let's move on and let me find something else, essentially. I'm not breaking up with you. or I, You're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you. Yeah, I, I think. I think you're right. I mean, the, the role's not going to be there, and we can kind of see the the writing on the wall from that perspective. I I did have a couple conversations with people in the building that I mean, this is not a mystery to anybody with the Vikings in terms of Kyle Rudolph saying, "Hey, I'll I'll do what you need me to do, but I don't like having to do this." I mean, I we I think we've all been privy to some of that in the past couple of years, and. Yeah, I, I think he's gotten to a point where I don't if I'm if I'm not being used in the way I want to be used here, it's time to time to go. But uh, I, I guess the only reason I leave the window open a little bit is I 
we've seen some of the rhetoric before and then all of a sudden maybe you get closer to free agency and he's his agents looking around saying you know uh the market's not as robust as we thought maybe it makes sense to stay here where you already know things and they know what you can do and there's familiarity and you can kind of set yourself up for you know another thing that he talked about in that podcast in terms of a post-career transition to be financially successful afterwards and he certainly has talked about he's going to be here i think he's going to be a visible part of the sort of vikings alumni atmosphere so maybe once you get closer free agency and you do a little bit of shopping around if he's still on the roster at that point you know maybe the the stance changes a little bit at that point we'll see I think it is our time to go. Thank you guys for checking out the Access Vikings podcast. We will talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs>